Hey, this is Mark from Pods Like Us, the show where we help you to find your next podcast addiction. And you're listening to Trimming the Musical Fat, a show where Paul and Stephen tell you all you need to know about and more about the music that you love. swimming in raw sewage. I love it. I love it. That's the signal. Let's go. the faith we're back for another episode of trimming the musical fat the podcast where we trim albums that are too damn long i'm stephen nicholson and i'm paul nicholson and together we're going to be taking our invisible scissors to new jersey rock gods bon jovi and their 1992 comeback album keep the faith what's going to make the under 50 minute single vinyl ttms supercut of the album Bed of Roses, In These Arms, Dry County, or Sleep When I'm Dead? Keep listening to find out. We'll also find some time to share some Bon Jovi jokes, talk about seeing the band live, revisit 1992, hear archive interview clips, debate when Bon Jovi should have called it a day, share our favourite Bon Jovi songs, and answer as many questions as we can about them in only three minutes. So we're talking Bon Jovi today. Paul, what's your your level of fandom? And, and can you remember the first Bon Jovi record or CD or cassette you ever bought? Single. I think I bought... The first single I bought was uh, Living in Sin of New Jersey. I think. And I bought Lay Your Hands on Me 12 Inch. And you had like a couple of live version, live songs on the, the B-side. Uh, but because I, I'd heard obviously I'd kind of known Bon Jovi from Slippery When Wet period and really liked them actually thought they were great and New Jersey was even better because it seems like there was quite a quick turnaround between those two albums uh, it was almost like capitalising on it the first on the Slippery When Wet and so for me yeah they were two brilliant albums and then what we're going to talk about today and, and the album after that these days. After that, to be honest, I kind of didn't really pay much attention to Bon Jovi, so probably up to 95 these days. And that was really it for me in terms of... Although it's not to say I didn't do good stuff after it, but I wasn't really interested in hearing the latest album or anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of similar. Um, I would say I was very much a fan from 86 through to... Uh, 95, 96 uh, for those 10 years I would buy um, really everything that they, they put out and would buy the albums uh, I think after that I was more of a, a casual fan, I would dip in and out and I've still bought albums by the band and they've actually done some great stuff um, since the, the, the mid 90s but more of a casual fan uh, since then 
Uh, I think the first Bon Jovi thing I actually had was, uh, I think it was Ross Lorne. Did he not give us, let us borrow Slippery When Wet? And we got a cassette copy of that. And I remember just loving that album. Well, yeah, did we ever give him it back? (laughs) But I loved that album. It was great. And and probably in a lot of ways, it's the first album of that kind I maybe had. That kind of that kind of style of rock. And of course, I had things like Wanted, Dead or Alive, You Give Love a Bad Name, Living on a Prayer. Great albums. So that and I think uh, then our friend, a friend of the podcast, Brian Borthwick, he bought New Jersey. I'm sure I got a set copy of that as well. Yeah. Um, so love both those albums. I think the first thing I bought that was Bon Jovi related was The Blaze of Glory. Seven inch by John Bon Jovi. That was what nineteen ninety, and I then I think went down with Brian, my friend Malcolm, to the the Metro Centre in Newcastle. We got the train down, and and vividly remember buying the the Blaze of Glory album by John Bon Jovi on cassette and listening to that on the train back back up from there. And so yeah, I think that's the first thing I bought, and then. I got my CD player, I think that same year, first ever CD player, and went back and bought Slippery When Wet in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's 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 that was my first uh, first purchases in the Bon Jovi Bon Jovi world. You're talking about Plays of Glory, mm. and what and seems almost- to come up quite a lot is it's almost like it's almost yeah because I know it was on the compilation album as well, but it's almost like. That's seen as a Bon Jovi album by a lot of people, even when mm-hmm. I was re- researching stuff for today. It's almost seen as in the discography of Bon Jovi, which it isn't, but it's almost, yeah, it's weird. It's almost seen it's, as like part of Bon Jovi. It is, and it's, it's back to the, the, the mur- murky world of separation of singer mm. and band, and is it fair that John Bon Jovi gets to sing? Because the band would do Blaze of Glory live, for example. Mm-hmm. Is that sure. fair on the rest of the band who have done solo albums? Why why, why do their songs not get featured in a Bon Jovi set? So, yeah, I mean, for, for me, and a lot of people still think Bon Jovi is John Bon Jovi. Well, it's not. It's a band. It's his name, obviously. Yeah, yeah mm. but it's not. It's a band. And... Mm. So you can see why people might be confused by it, but not not me. I mean, I, I know that was a solo solo mm-hmm. release, and I know the band have done songs from uh, the likes of Blaze of Glory and so on. Uh, I suppose as they should, Blaze of Glory is a great song. Mm-hmm. And it was even on the best of, wasn't it? Yeah, on Crossroads, yeah. It was It was almost like a an up-to-date version of Wanted Dead or Alive, wasn't it, sort of? It was, You know, like yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's kind of just went further down that, that peak, mm. but it's a brilliant song. For all our fans who've been waiting four years for the new album, we've been saying, keep the faith. Now we're saying, enter the contest. MTV's Keeping the Faith with Bon Jovi contest lets you hear Bon Jovi's new album, Keep the Faith, before it comes out. When you and a friend will go to New York City to hear Bon Jovi perform songs from the new album live at a special private concert. MTV will cover travel, hotel, and expenses, so your only worry will be checking out the band while memorizing their new lyrics. To enter, answer this question. What was the name of Bon Jovi's last album? Then send a postcard with your name, age, address, and phone number to 
Keeping the Faith Competition. MTV Europe, P.O. Box 3299. Released in November 1992, it was preceded by the single Keep the Faith. This was a follow-up to the 13 million selling 1988 album New Jersey. The album was produced by Bob Rock. Now, the band had originally approached Slippery When Wet and New Jersey producer Bruce Fairbairn, but he was unavailable due to recording Aerosmith's Get a Grip album. The album cover photography was by Anton Corbin, uh, and this was the last album the band recorded as a five-piece with bassist Alec John Such being sacked from the band in 1994. There are 13 songs on it, although only 12 on the double vinyl reissue, which really pees me off because I own that reissue. Anyway, the, the 13 songs that we'll be discussing today are, I believe... Keep the Faith, I'll Sleep When I'm Dead, In These Arms, Bed of Roses, If I Was Your Mother, Dry County, Women in Love, Fear, I Want You, Blame It on the Love of Rock and Roll, Little Bit of Soul, and Save a Prayer. The album is 72 minutes in duration, which was their longest to date, which means we need to lose at least 22 minutes today. There were six singles released from the album, and they were, in order, Keep the Faith, Bed of Roses, In These Arms, I'll Sleep When I'm Dead, I Believe, and Dry County. Well, um, Keep the Faith is the name of the new album. It's, uh, it's also the first single. It's, uh, it's very different for, for us. You know, I mean, we, we have the, the guy... Um, What's his name? Mike Edwards or something? Guy from Jesus Jones. He's doing the acid house mixes of our first single. So to think that Bon Jovi would be doing acid house mixes of their first single, <laughs> you go, you know, you think that we've we've gone crazy. But uh, it's a very very different album for us, and um, we're excited about it. You know, that that's the first track. Um, the the album is varied. You know, it, there's a, there's a great stretch of different types of material on it. You know, there's there's some heavy stuff that are real rockers, like a, a song called "If I Was Your Mother." Um, then there's there's something called "Dry County," which is almost ten minutes long. It's more or less our epic. Um, we've never had a song like that before. So critically, when the album came out in '92. Wyoming Reynolds from You Discover Music talked about Keep the Faith and he said it had a more exploratory direction for the band that they didn't ab abandon their core fan base as evidenced by the ambitious ballad in these arms triumphant and apologetically bombastic the song's romantic yearning, catchy hooks and towering solos have secured its place in Bon Jovi's regular live set Wild Album didn't reach the same commercial success as the group's 80s records. It remains an essential entry in Bon Jovi's discography. 
Keep the Faith went deeper and darker than anything the band had done before, and Bon Jovi proved they were perfectly capable of traversing new sonic avenues without abandoning their core appeal. Renewed by their solo adventures, the band kept their faith in each other. So Keep the Faith is the the third most represented album in Bon Jovi's concert set, set lists behind Slippery When Wet in New Jersey. So the album sold 8.6 million copies worldwide, which was 5 million less than New Jersey, so 39% drop. Chart positions, it got to number one in the UK and number five in the US. In the UK, it went platinum. In the US, it went two times platinum. The streaming figures... Sorry, that's it. So this equivalent extra album sales for the album were 93,000, which was 8,000 down on what New Jersey had been, 8% drop. The most streamed song on the album was Bed of Roses with 59,000 listens. Any thoughts on that, Stephen? I mean, I suppose you can't look past it. still a drop from New Jersey, but I suppose you do have to factor in that, and we'll maybe talk about it later, that uh, obviously a significant musical movement had taken place since the the, the band had last released an album, which was the, the rise of alternative rock and grunge. And I suppose in a lot of ways, Bon Jovi were looking to find their place in that world again. So I think if you compare their album sales for this and compare that to other acts of their ilk that were popular at the tail end of the 80s, Bon Jovi are the great survivors, aren't they? Mm -hmm. They're one of the ones that could make the transition. Mm -hmm. And not not many of the others did, did they? Um, they, they kind of succumbed to the the fact that uh, they just didn't have the the tools or the musical virtuosity to adapt to the times. Um, so Bon Jovi did. I think in a lot of ways that's because uh, their songwriting was maybe coming from a, a slightly different place compared to a lot of the the, the hair metal bands, if you like. Um, so I, th- I think that helped them immeasurably. And what you start to see with this album and I was researching a lot of the stuff that this from this album onwards the albums self sell far more in Europe than they do in America mm-hmm. whereas the previous albums up to this it, they'd always sold more in America whereas from this al- album in fact I think to the present day the sales go down in America but go up in Europe the sales are more dominant in Europe maybe just a reflection of the, the band's musical palette changing and finding a slightly different audience as, as time's gone by it's hard to believe it's 30 years ago <laughs> but yeah so 10 years ago I wanted to be in a rock and roll band and that happened and then 5 or 6 years ago I wanted to be in a rock and roll band that was real famous and that happened I got a little scared when that happened I think every day you wake up hungry, you know? I mean, if you don't, there'd be no reason for my making records. There'd be no reason for my coming here to talk about the records. Um, I truly 
uh, like it or not, am a romantic. You know, I still believe in in the dream and in, in, in thinking that any kid watching this right now in his garage can do this. You know, I'm sorry, but it's hopelessly, you know, true. Uh, but uh, when you have a title like I Keep the Faith that says, you know, do something, do anything to make it a little better, it's not just seeing the sunny side, it's admitting that there is a darker side in the world and saying, you know it and I know it. We don't need to harp on it as much as we need to say, do something to make it a little better. Because if you don't, it's going to continue to, to go down, you know, spiral down. And I, and I just think that there's got to be some hope out there. These are the top 10 best-selling singles worldwide from that year. So at number 10 was This Used To Be My Playground by Madonna. At number 9 was Don't Let The Sun Go Down On Me by George Michael and Elton John. At number 8 was Under The Bridge by The Red Hot Chili Peppers. At number 7 was Rhythm Is A Dancer by Snap. At number 6 was Jump Crisscross. At number 5 was To Be With You Mr Big. At number 4 was Tears In Heaven by Eric Clapton. At number 2 was, sorry, at number 3 was Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. At number 2, End Of The Road, Boys To Men. And the number 1 selling song of 1992 was I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Actually, Mr. Big, there's a, a song that I've completely forgotten about. Obviously, the big, big mm -hmm. hit, but uh, not one you ever really hear now, do you? Not really, no, but I remember the video. It was like a black and white video, the big long hair and stuff. <laughs> Whitney Houston, always love you. Because as we record this, we actually record it, uh, what, 30 years since Keep the Faith came out. Um, well, it's the same year anyway. But uh, uh, The Bodyguard, the Whitney Houston, Kevin Costner movie celebrates its 30th anniversary this year as well because I see it's uh, being a re-release at the cinema. So, uh, Is it right? Yeah, um, yeah, I noticed that advertised the other day. But uh, yeah, a lot of ballads in there in that top 10. Okay, and we're now going to do the top 10 best-selling albums worldwide of, for 1992. So at number 10 was Southern Harmony, Black Crows. At number 9 was The One by Elton John. At number 8 was Back to Front by Lionel Richie. At number 7 was Diva by Annie Lennox. At number 6 was Us by Peter Gabriel. At number 5, Some Gave All by Billy Ray Cyrus. At number four, Adrenalize by Def Leppard. At number three, Abba Gold to the Greatest Hits. At number two, Automatic for the People by R.E.M. And the number one best-selling album worldwide for 1992 was Eric, Pla Eric Clapton's Unplugged. What a strange top ten. Very much established acts, really, isn't it? Yeah, and compilations as well. Scandalous REM's not number one. Automatic for the People is one of my favourite albums. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's good. Gold ABBA compilations, tremendous. I'm actually really surprised uh, Peter Gabriel um, has done so well there. I know his previous album, so that was, what, 86? Had, had been a big, big seller, but uh, I didn't realise that uh, Us was uh, quite as big a seller as that. Yeah. 
and the Black Crows as well. Very surprising. Even Elton John, the one, I wouldn't have thought that would have made it. Because when you think about 91, it was a lot of, it was very different, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad to see one of your favourite artists is in there, Billy Ray Cyrus. So we're now going to do the top 10 grossing movies worldwide for the year. At number 10 was Wayne's World. Number 9 was Bram Stoker's Dracula. Number 8 was Sister Act. At number 7 was You Can Handle the Truth, A Few Good Men. At number 6 was Batman Returns. At number 5 was Lethal Weapon 3. Number 4 was Basic Instinct. Number 3 was Home Alone 2. And number 2 was the film we mentioned earlier, The Bodyguard. And the number 1 film for 1982 was Aladdin. Yeah, I've still never seen Sister Act, although I know it's on Disney Plus, so I've got no excuses now. It's quite good. Yeah, I've seen cinema, I think. I'm trying to think how many I've seen in cinema. Well, I've seen Wayne's World. I've definitely seen Wayne's World. I see that's actually getting a re-release at the cinema as well, 30th anniversary. But no, I've seen uh, Dracula. Yep, I've seen Dracula, Wayne's World, Batman Returns, Lethal Weapon 3, Basic Instinct, Home Alone 2. The Bodyguard. So the only ones I've never seen in the cinema were Aladdin, A Few Good Men, and Sister Act. That's a pretty good innings. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't. I haven't seen Basic. In, I didn't see Basic Instinct in cinema. I didn't see Aladdin. I've seen that three times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Malcolm's fault. He made us go three times. So, events uh, from nineteen ninety two. Uh, Euro Disney opens in Paris, France, which would then become Disneyland, known as Disneyland Paris. After that, this was the first year that uh, the sales of CDs surpassed the sales of cassettes as the preferred way of listening to music. Fire damage damages a major part of Windsor Castle, and a number of important works of art, books, and furniture are lost. Following the public outcry over royal spending, the Queen will now pay income tax and the number of royals receiving taxpayer money. Hey everyone out there in the podcasting world, this is Wide Screen. This is Sam Wiles, you are listening to another episode of... I believe it's time for Trim the Talk, the feature where we are both asked the same questions and have to answer them all in three minutes or less. So, Paul, are you ready for this? Yeah. Three minutes start now. Let's do it. So, question one. Describe Bon Jovi in three words. Working class boys. Uh, I'll say New Jersey rock. Have you seen them live? Yes. Uh, just the once, though, is, is that right? Yeah, just once. Yeah, yeah, I've seen them twice. Favourite Bon Jovi album? New Jersey. Yep, same for me. Favourite Bon Jovi song? Born to be my baby. Uh, mine's is Wanted, Dead or Alive. Favourite member of Bon Jovi? Actually, I like Richie Sambora. Yeah, I would go with John Bon Jovi. What, we're get, what are you doing at the time of the album's release in November 1992? I had a part-time job at William Lowe, which then became Tesco's. 
Yeah, that's what I was doing. So working in a supermarket. Uh, I was working uh, for a bank in an office at Haymarket in Edinburgh and looking forward to seeing Faith No More and Extreme in concert in Glasgow the following month. Two minutes left. Um, when and where did you first hear the album? Pro- I would have heard it from you. around. The, I suppose around the time of release, yeah. Obviously you'd heard the, the single first, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, I, I, I'm sure I bought it on day of release and would have listened to it in my car driving home from work. Uh, your favourite track from the album? In These Arms. Uh, I would go for Keep the Faith or In These Arms. Uh, your least favourite track from the album? Fear. Yeah, I would say Fear or Women in Love. Uh, your album rating out of five? Four. I would go 3.5. Okay, we managed to do that in time. Well done. Uh, so let's just maybe talk about the album in general, Paul. I mean, what was your 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 thoughts on it uh, thirty years later, and obviously going back now to to re-listen to it? I think it's quite bloated, and and that's that's one of the reasons we do this podcast. That it's almost like there's too much on it, and that's why maybe it's not something I would go back to very much. But I do, I do like it, and I think it was a really brave move at the time because, it, you know, if you're comparing it to Adrenalized by Def Leppard, which was released at the start of that year in April, that it was almost like that could be made in the 80s. You know, it was 1992, but really that was an 80s album. The way they looked was 80s, whereas Bon Jovi kind of updated their sound and even updated their image. So they were more relevant, and so that was a big part of the 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 new Luke Bon Jovi. And I, I remember as well. I think it was maybe at the end of that year, the the following year, they they played Milton Keynes, and it was on Radio One. And I remember them talking about whoever was presenting the show was saying, "Yeah, this is Bon Jovi kind of come back their comeback, and they've sort of moved with the times, and they're still relevant." I think for me, that's what the album's all about, still being relevant and moving with the times. So not losing what they had, but but kind of adapting to the different sounds. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't have lasted much longer, I think, if they'd stayed in the 80s look and sound. So I just think Keep the Faith as well. The song's quite, yeah, it's just quite an upbeat song and catchy and grabs you. Yeah, that's my thoughts on the album. Yeah, I mean, I think this is arguably the most important album of Bon Jovi's career. Uh, I think the music scene had changed radically since New Jersey in 1988. Um, and I think Bon Jovi were lumped in with the, the hair metal bands. And, and by 1992, that was regarded as passe, as alternative rock had become the, the dominant music genre. And I think... John Bon Jovi himself summarised it best uh, to quote, we got rid of the cliches, wrote some socially conscious lyrics and got a haircut. I didn't do a grunge thing and I didn't do a rap thing, but I knew I couldn't rewrite Living on a Prayer uh, again, so I didn't try and it paid off. Uh, so I think he's, he's spot on there. And for me, this album stands the test of time well. It's a more serious interpretation of the band's pop metal groove I think a lot of the songs are a lot looser and have a Rolling Stones feel to them. I think there's good variety. 
I think the standard of songwriting in the main is high. Uh, and like you, my main issue with it is that it's too long. It could have easily have dropped a couple of songs uh, to have made it a better experience. And I think the weaker songs could have been jettisoned. And I think if they'd done that, we could have been talking about a near Bon Jovi classic like Slippery When Wet or New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I have fond memories of this album. I remember buying the first four singles from it, the CD singles. And there's some good stuff on there, which we'll talk about. Uh, but yeah, it's, a, it's a, a solid, very good album. Mm-hmm. So Bon Jovi, you know, the band, are one of the most successful artists in music history. But they're not really highly regarded by their peers or in the main critically. Why do you think that is? Yeah... It's almost, I don't know, it's almost like they're seen as maybe, I don't know, maybe too squeaky clean, maybe. I don't know. Like John Bon Jovi's sort of the good, sort of good American boy, you know, with his values and there's maybe not enough danger for people, maybe. Maybe it's a bit too cliche. But they've done a lot of great stuff. I think it's maybe because you can't categorise them as well because... You know, the rock, but there's also a pop side as well. And there's maybe some people who initially liked them as well, who felt they went kind of went soft in the 90s. So I don't know. Yeah, it's because they've done a lot of good stuff. It's it's certainly not justified. Yeah. Yes. It's a strange one. There's almost a, a snobbiness against mm-hmm. them, if you like, which which... I don't know, it's, it's, it's as if they're regarded as not being cool, therefore, um, no matter what they do, they're kind of looked down upon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're a great live bands. You, you consider the number of great songs they've done, it doesn't really warrant that. But I suppose everybody likes what they like, don't they? Yeah. And yeah. S- sadly, it'll probably be until we lose one of them from the band, or certainly John Bon Jovi or Richie Sambora, mm-hmm. or Richie Sambora is no longer in the band, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, when you, when you think about Queen, they were kind of slated a lot by the critics. And, you know, sadly it might take someone to pass away before that maybe get the, the acclaim. Yeah. yeah, it's true. I, I think it's, uh, Queen's a good example. Suddenly everybody's a Queen fan now. Yeah. Uh, even ABBA. Yeah. And ABBA were going, mm-hmm. ABBA were seen as very cheesy and uncool, splap and give it enough time, everybody's an ABBA fan. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I know. I think it'll be the same with this. It's yeah. cy- music in cycles and like you're saying there, the ABBA thing's a good example because it was this year that it kind of became cool to like ABBA again because ABBA Gold was like massive. And it revitalized their career, even though they weren't going, they weren't a band at the time, but it revitalized the interest in them and they sold more than they ever had. Mm-hmm. And I think it, sadly, it might be until somebody's passed away from the band until they get that credit. So we've seen Bon Jovi together in Gateshead in 1995. What are your memories of that show? Do you know the funny thing? I can't remember a lot about it. Same it's, here. <laughs> yeah. It's. Because we'd seen Guns N' Roses there 
at the same venue three years previously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was. I think you'd taken a day off work, hadn't you, or something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We drove down. Yeah, it was quite a nice day weather-wise. It was a beautiful day, that. yeah, I, very warm and yeah. sunny. Mm-hmm. But I don't really remember that if you'd said to me what was on the set list, I probably couldn't tell you. I'd probably have a guess and all the obviously the songs at the time, but I don't really remember much about. It. I don't. I can't remember who the support acts were. Ooh, well. I can't remember. I think they were pretty good. I can't remember who it was, but it was a warm day. Um, I'd seen Guns N' Roses at Gateshead three years prior. I don't particularly like it as a venue. I don't know if you got a good atmosphere there. And I remember it being a good show. Um, but the, my, my biggest memory of the day is actually driving home afterwards, just trying to keep my eyes open and driving home. Just so tired. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was a good show. And I went to see them again maybe about 12 years ago in 2010, something like that, when they played Murrayfield Stadium, and that was a really good show. And uh, they'd done, yeah, fantastic set list and a few things they did, which I didn't think they would do. Like I'll be there for you. And yeah, this is after Bon Jovi, John Bon Jovi had already fractured something, or he'd done himself a mischief to one of his legs, so that was strapped up, so he couldn't do his usual running around, which is a bit of a shame. So I basically had to just stand there and sing. But yeah, it was a good show. So let's see if we can find some good Bon Jovi jokes to share. Paul, do you have any? John Bon Jovi was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I asked him, aren't you disappointed you aren't in the more prestigious Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? He said, whoa, we're halfway there. <laughs> Why is Bon Jovi's bed always messy? Because he doesn't think it matters if you make it or not. Uh, How would uh, John Bon Jovi like to die? Shot through the heart. What will Bon Jovi's final album be called? Bon Voyage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, most people don't know that Bon Jovi's sister is the bassist for the band Fish. Her name is Anne Jovi. What is a hunter's least favourite Bon Jovi song? Bad bad venison. (laughs) Bon Jovi published a diet book. It's called Living on a Pear. Courtney Love once asked John Bon Jovi to name her new band. Bon Bon Jovi jokingly suggested Hole. Love thought that this was great, provocative and rude, so she went with it. Our ex Corey Hart of Sunglasses at Night fame did not approve. He sought to confront Bon Jovi on the night of Hole's first gig and a little drunk tried to climb the fence of Bon Jovi's Ellie estate. Bon Jovi, thinking Hart an intruder, winged him with a gun belonging to Bono and the Edge's tour manager he was dining there that night. The ensuing fracas was in all the papers overshadowing Hole's debut and angering Kurt Cobain who was interested in Hole's lead singer. Cobain sent John Bon Jovi a note demanding he apologise, and Bon Jovi replied, Shot Corey Hart, and you two blamed. You gave love a bad name. (laughs) 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 It's a long one, Oh, that's good. Hello, listeners. This is David from In the Lap of the Pods. 
Queen podcast, and you are listening to another episode of Trimming the Musical Fat. Slanjavar. Okay, so what songs are going to be taking the homebound train as we start to trim the album and create the TTMS supercut of Keep the Faith? For this, for selection, we're including all the songs that featured on the original 1992 UK CD release of the album. So before we start talking about the songs, let's talk about the album cover and artwork. Paul, what do you think of it? Yeah, it's quite good. It's it's almost like the Three Musketeers putting all their hands together and keeping the faith and almost like keeping the faith in what had been a massive change in the music industry and it was like their comeback. So it was almost like them still sticking together type thing for me. No, I thought it was good. Good help, Gore. Yeah, I mean, well, I'll say our listeners can't see this. We're on video with each other, so I'm holding up the vinyl copy of the album to, to Paul here. And I like it. I think it's an excellent artwork and album cover. Um, it was photographed by Anton Corbin, who's probably most famous for photographing U2 and Depeche Mode and his black and white photographs. Um, and yeah, it's good. I think obviously all, all five members of the band uh, with a hand of each of them in a pose. Uh, it's great. And as is customary um, for An- Anton Corbin, it's everything's in black and white, which brings a touch of class to the proceedings. And again, the band don't put their faces on the, the front cover. They'll let the music do the talking, which uh, which mm-hmm. I admire. And something they don't mm-hmm. do if they're next album. So that is the album cover and the artwork. Let's get to the songs itself. So uh, as we mentioned already, we need to uh, pick songs that we, we like, that make a version of Keep the Faith that keeps it under 50 minutes. So Paul and I have selected the songs that we want on here. Uh, And what we'll do first of all is we'll go through the songs that Paul and I agree upon that should be on the album. We'll then go through the songs we agree upon that should not be on there. And then we'll get to four songs where we disagree over. And we're going to agree to to pick uh, two of those four songs. I think that's what we agreed, Paul, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alrighty. So let's go with the the first song that we, we unanimously agree upon, and it's the first song on the album, and it is "I Believe," and I believe we're going to hear it right now. So, Paul, that was I Believe. What do you like about the song? It's just really quite an upbeat opener for the new sound of Bon Jovi. And I actually liked the single version better. I think there was like a remix. Yeah, Bob Clear Mountain mix, I think it was. Yeah. So it was a bit more, because some of the problem with this album is some of the songs are too long. 
as well as so I think the a lot quite a few of the singles were remixes. Uh, but I think this is a really good start to the new album, the new sound, and also keeping in with, you know, keeping the faith and believing and all that. So sort of perseverance there. Mm-hmm. What about you? Yeah, well, it was released as a single uh, only in Europe and Australia. And as an album opener, it's, it's like um, Slippery When Wet in New Jersey. It's a, the opener being a raucous sing-along anthem but obviously with a bit of a, a fresh modern twist on it but yeah i agree it's an uplifting tune with positive lyrics about believing in yourself in the future uh written by john bon jovi himself um it's i think tito's drums on this are immense uh, and we get the customary throaty sing-along near the end as well the whoa uh, which mm. was good live uh, so yeah good tune good starter for their comeback album um and it's actually a song i think used to play live quite a bit but i think this century it's one that never really gets a an airing right, for okay. whatever reason yeah so i believe gets on to the supercut the second song that gets on there is the title track keep the faith and here it is it is hard to hold on when there's no So that was Keep the Faith, and that was the the big comeback single. Uh, although it only got to number 29 on the singles chart in the US, it was a top five hit, though, in the UK, Ireland, and Canada. And for me, this, this was a... I mean, I bought the CD single at the time, and for me, this was a real signal of intent from the band. You know, new image, haircuts, and sound. And I think it owes a lot to some of the more modern influences of the time, with bands like Jesus Jones and EMF. It's a classic Bon Jovi song. It's got great bass from, from um, Alec John Such and, and great drums again from, uh, from Tito. And I think the way it starts and the verses are a real departure for the band sonically. I think it's got a great bridge from the verses to the brilliant chorus as a Superb guitar solo there from Richie Sambora. And literally, again, it seems to be about just you know keeping believing and keeping the faith. Um, yeah, I love it. I, I know I bought the CD single back in the day uh, and I had the really good Christmas B-side. I wish every day could be like Christmas. So, yeah, good stuff. Uh, what about you? Yeah, great song. And it's just a signal of intent. Just like you say, it's the first, it's the comeback song and it's, it's probably less rock. It's there isn't as much guitar, but there's obviously the solo at the end. But it's it's really catchy and commercial, and a good example of them moving with the times. And and uh, it's funny, it's, you know how it didn't do as well in America, which because uh, all their singles, certainly of New Jersey, they all pretty much got to number one. Pretty much a lot of them. But I guess times had changed and trends had changed and maybe they were not as receptive to the new styles as Europe maybe was, you know. But it's a great song, really catchy, commercial, good good first single for the album as well. 
Yeah, okay, so Keep the Faith gets on there. The next song that we uh, unanimously agree on uh, is I'll Sleep When I'm Dead. So that was I'll Sleep When I'm Dead. What do you like about this song, Paul? It's just really catchy and it's like they're having fun. And the first two songs, they're quite obviously inspiring songs, but they're quite serious, whereas this one's almost quite tongue-in-cheek. I think it's nice having that light, that humour to it, because if it was all too serious, it wouldn't sound as good, whereas you've got a good mix with this. And I, I remember the video, it was a bit like Hard Day's Night or something. There were kind of, it was like black and white and they were going in and out of cars and all that, like they were getting chased by fans. And I think it's a really good song, actually. Yeah, no, it's it's good. Yeah, what about you? Well, uh, this was a massive hit in America. Um, it got to number 97. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember, I bought the CD single and I remember it had a really good live version of Blaze of Glory uh, played by the band. Uh, we already talked about that already, even though it's a John Bon Jovi song. But uh, yeah, good version mm-hmm. of it on the CD single. Uh, yeah, uh, I remember the video, the the Beatles Hard Day's Night type aping video. And uh, although ironically, I think it sounds a lot like the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. And it's a, a kind of a, bit of a barroom stomp type one. Um, yeah, it's a decent song, a nice piano on it, catchy chorus. And actually, a really good sentiment behind it as well, which is about leading your life to the max, which are, you know, words, mm. words to live by. So that is the third song that gets on there. And the fourth one is another single, and it's In These Arms. And here it is. And I would give anything, my blood, my Okay, that was In These Arms, and I'll maybe kick us off on this one. So this was written by um, the band's keyboard player, Dave Bryan, along with John Bon Jovi and Richie Sambora. And actually, uh, David Bryan has taken the song, and he's, he's actually had it on two of his solo albums, uh, On a Full Moon and Lunar Eclipse, and he actually sings on it, which is rather bizarre. Uh, and the song was a top 10 hit here in the UK. Uh, and yeah, I love the song. Um, first single from the album, I think it's a great plaintive pop slash rock love song with a killer chorus. Uh, there's some lovely guitar flourishes on it from Richie Samboro and more great drumming from Tico Torres. And it's got a nice middle eight as well. So yeah, big, big fan of big fan of this. What about you, Paul? 
Yeah, the best song on the album for me. It's just really catchy. It's still rock, rock, but it, it's it's also poppy as well. So it's a good mix there, and she's got a really good hook in it. Because I, I like that about like Bon Jovi songs, like "Born to Be My Baby." There's a lot of good melodies as well, and that, that's one of the reasons that, that I like the song. It's probably the most commercial song on the album as well. That. Uh, and it's one of those songs as well that sometimes we talk about when we've listened to an album and a single's released off it, it could go either way. We might not like it as much or we might like, this is an example of me liking it even more, you know, yep. knowing it already from the album. But then as a single, actually, I really liked it even more. Yeah, great song. And the next one that gets on is the second single from the album. And this is actually one that... Uh, her mum loves. Remember, she really liked this. And it is Bed of Roses. Baby, you're all that I That was Bed of Roses. Uh, what do you like about this song, Paul? It's probably, it sounds like it might have been on New Jersey, maybe, or Slippery and Wet. It's just a really lo- lovely song. It's a good rock song, but it's also like a, a ballad as well. And it's kind of in the, the style of like uh, Living in Sin or I'll Be There For You or Never Say Goodbye. It's kind of like that. And I remember the video yeah, like on a cliff somewhere, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and really quite clever camera work and stuff. And it's just, yeah, just a really good rock song. And yeah, just a really good mixture of like the piano in it as well, a bit bluesy. So yeah, no, a really good song. It's probably one of these songs that wasn't appreciated at the time, but has grown to be like seen as a classic. Bon Jovi song. Yeah, agreed. The, the the stuff for the video that was filmed kind of on the mountains, that was originally meant to be John Bon Jovi, but he said that he had done that already on the Blaze of Glory video and he didn't want to do it again. So he <laughs> said to the director, send send some of them instead. That's how David Bryan and Richie Sambora ended up doing the mountain stuff instead. But it looks cool, actually. It does look really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for me, this is uh, maybe with Tri County the most mature song on the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, a mature Bon Jovi ballad. It was written by John Bon Jovi when he had a hangover. Second single mm-hmm. from the album. I think the lyrics on this are superb and are maybe the best lyrics Bon Jovi has ever done. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the the convey a real sense of a of a, a hangover uh, having doing stuff maybe the night before you've regretted and and um and not being with the one that you truly love and i think the the video as you said brill- brilliantly ties mm-hmm. in with that um and 
I mean, how good are these lyrics? Sitting here wasted and wounded at this piano, trying hard to capture the, the moment this morning, I don't know. Because a bottle of vodka still lodged in my head and some blonde gave me nightmares, think that she's still in my bed as I dream about movies they won't make of me when I'm dead. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. So now I think the lyrics yeah. on the song are tremendous. Uh, I think John Bon Jovi sings it really well. It's, it's actually a tough one to sing as he's coming to yeah. reach for some high notes in there. Great piano backing from uh, David Bryan. So, yeah, overall, great song. Uh, great CD single too, because it, it, um, it had on the CD single live, really good live versions of Tokyo Road, Lay Your Hands on Me and I'll Be There For You. Uh, so yeah, great package. Um, and it was a, yeah, I was going to say it was a big success for the band, the top 10 US hit. Uh, it got to number two in Canada. Um, so that's Bed of Roses and our final song, which we unanimously agree on. And what I would say, Paul, what's quite telling about it, the song is Dry County. And what we'll note is that all of these songs that we unanimously agreed on come in the first half of this album. Mm, that's right. Which is interesting. They're all in order as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they all come in the first half of the album. So anyway, the last song we agree upon is Dry County, an epic song. So let's hear a snippet of Dry County right now. You get up a crossbow where the streets are paved with gold. This city oil well went deeper here than anybody's known. Now I packed up all my whopping kit and left the boat back home. See, there's nothing in this painter. The ghosts are Dry County, big epic song. Uh, I think nearly 10 minutes long. It's the longest song in the Bon Jovi canon, if memory serves. Uh, what do you like about it? I was actually close to not putting it on, not because it's not a you. good song. <laughs> I think it's a really good song, but like, like I believe, I prefer the single version because I just think it's a bit ridiculous, like nine minutes. I just think you could have put taking some time off it and it would be more accessible but I think it's a really good song yeah it's uh, it's a bit more out there for them but it's but it's good yeah really it's funny because from this point in the album the music kind of dips a bit for me yeah but it's a great song but yeah I prefer the single version yeah what about uh, you? Uh, well dry it was a single, but only in Europe and Australia. And it did get to number nine here. And I, th- I think it's a song which wears its Bruce Springsteen influences proudly mm. on its sleeve uh, about someone stuck in a dead end town which used to be rich with oil, but the wells have dried up. Uh, and I have to say, when I first had the album back in the 90s, I used to be quite ambivalent towards the song. I could take it or leave it. 
maybe because of its length. I don't know. Yeah. Um, however, I think uh, as I've re-listened to the album as I've got older, I think it's an excellent song. It's an epic. It's, it's, it's again, another mature song. Uh, great storytelling matched to music with the band on top form and another great guitar solo in there from uh, Richie Sambora. So, yeah, I think it's an excellent song. Okay, so that is our unanimous choices. That's six songs, and we have space for two more. Um, before we, we pick those final couple of songs, let's talk about the songs which didn't make it. And what is interesting about the songs that didn't make it, they are all in order after Dry County. So this album has a real serious mid-album lull. Uh, and these three mm-hmm. songs are that mid-album low. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, the first one that none of us, neither of us wanted was uh, Women in Love. Let's have a quick listen to it. That was Women in Love. Uh, uh, any redeeming features of the song for you, Paul? I think it's a decent song. It's just a bit filler or it sounds like a B-side to me. It's not. Yeah, it's okay. But, mm-hmm. There is. I mean, it's an all right song. I think it harks back more to the style of their late 80s stuff and seems to be about John Bon Jovi loving women and finding lots of them attractive. Uh, but yeah, I just don't think it goes... Not a bad song, but it just doesn't really go anywhere. Talking of which, uh, our next song that doesn't make it is Fear. Was that close to being picked by you or just that uh, was out the window straight away? It's just okay. It's just quite average, average song. It's almost like maybe like the last song trying to go back to the 80s, but it just doesn't sound right. Just yeah. probably sounds dated. Yeah. I was never a fan of this song. I think it's pro- probably the weakest song on the album. I just think it sounds mm. very generic with no hooks or just nothing really special about it and could easily have been dropped from the album and would have made the album stronger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the third and final song, which we both did not select, is I Want You. As a
again anything you like about this one i think it's okay it's mm -hmm. yeah just a bit lightweight yeah this is um i actually remember when the album came out in 92 thinking this actually sounded dated back then it actually sounded like something uh, from the, the the late 80s i think predominantly from the keyboard that appears in the intro and in the in the chorus and i think the, the actually the verses are really good um beautiful verses which kind of hark back to say something like i'll be there for you um i just think the intro and the chorus let it down um and there's a bit in it which sounds i think after it's after the first chorus uh, there's a piano uh, uh, passage that plays which sounds like it's the Baywatch theme. <laughs> and I suppose piano. that was the year Baywatch came out. Yeah, <laughs> this is funny. But I just think the band have done far stronger ballads in this kind of vein, like I'll Be There For You and Never Say Goodbye. Uh, although it is a better song than Women In Love And Fear. That's There's no doubt about that. Okay, so... Those are the three that do not make it. Uh, so, Paul, we now need to select our final two songs. Uh, so, the two that you selected that I didn't pick were If I Was Your Mother and Blame It on the Love of a Rock and Roll. So, we've agreed that we can pick one of our two songs. So, what are you going to go with? Um, and maybe talk a little bit about both songs. So, what, what do you think about If I Was Your Mother? I think I would choose that song. Oh, uh, would you? Uh, yeah. I just think it's really, it's a bit beatly. There's a bit, the only thing that lets down is that sort of synthesizers. But I, it's quite heavy, but it's quite melodic as well. So, yeah, like uh, If I Was Your Mother. I remember your friend Mark liked that song. I remember him saying at the time, Mark Poole, he liked, he's a friend of the podcast he's been on. Mark will be back soon for the Stone Roses second coming um, episode. We won't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think contractually we have to be there, yeah. Coming. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's hands down the most hard rock song on the album with the kind of crunching guitars. Um, I think it's, 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 it's decent, um, uh, unremarkable for me. Uh, and I, I read that I think John Bon Jovi said in an interview uh, that was about being so crazy in love with somebody that you wanted to be closer to them than just being a husband or a boyfriend. And what could be closer than being somebody's mother? <laughs> so, mm. so he was going to be his wife's mother. Mm, let's move on. huh? <laughs> so if I was your mother gets on, uh, the track that then doesn't make it is Blame It on the Love of Rock and Roll. What do you like about that one? Fun at the end, you know, a bit like I'll sleep when I'm dead. It's 
you know, some of the songs are quite serious. I just thought it'd be a nice way. I don't think it's a brilliant song, but I just think it's a bit of lightness to the in the album. Mm-hmm. So that's if I had to choose, I would say if I was your mother, I'd put that on. Yeah, if, if it was down to me, I would have picked "Blame It on the Love of Rock and Roll," and the reason why mm-hmm. um, I think we start to come out of that mid album low with with this. Uh, I think it's another mm-hmm. one that sounds a bit like the Rolling Stones. And if I mm-hmm. if I remember, I think they're actually name checked in the the song. Another barroom stomp, similar to "I'll Sleep When I'm Dead." Uh, mm-hmm. It's got a full throated Bon Jovi like chorus in there. A nice piano on it from 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 David and good bass from Alec as well. So yeah, it's a good wee mm-hmm. uh, carefree type song. Uh, I think the lyrics seem to liken the high of playing rock and roll to to to, to that of drugs or something like that. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, so Blame It and Love of Rock and Roll does not make it if I Was Your Mother does. Now, the two songs I selected, and I need to pick one of them, I, I selected A Little Bit of Soul and Save a Prayer. I need to pick between the two. And the song that I would pick, and it's probably no contest, is, is Save a Prayer. Uh, before I talk about that one, let's talk a, talk a little about A Little Bit of Soul. Uh, what do you like about or Well, you never picked it, Paul. What do you not like about it? dislike it it's just i didn't think it was good enough compared to the other songs it's it's a, a bit of a throwaway kind of a bit like love for sale on the previous album sort of throwaway acoustic thing so i think it's a, a decent song but yeah i just didn't think it fitted on the album well i, I first heard this uh it was one of the b-sides to keep the faith single and it's another song which again vaguely sounds like the Rolling Stones uh, but I think this one's a really memorable one I think the band's playing on it is tight I think it's got a, a catchy chorus got a nice groove I think the John Bon Jovi Richie Sambora harmonies on it are great uh, and they actually played a really kick-ass version of it on the Keep the Faith and Evening with Bon Jovi MTV special which mm-hmm. came out on video I remember buying that back in the day uh, yeah that was a really good version which maybe just in, uh, enhanced the reason why why I do like it um, but yes, it doesn't make it. Save a prayer does. Save a prayer for me. 
So let me talk a little bit about this. So this song was only on the the Japanese, European, and Australian editions of the CD release of the album. Uh, and I have to say, I think it's a crime that it was not on the full and proper re- release in all territories. And why is it a crime? Well, for me, I think it's one of the best songs on the, the album. And I think it's arguably the most modern sounding track on the record. I think it was a great deal to U2's Actung Baby sound, um, which came out the year before. Uh, I think with the production and the distorted vocal, sounds a lot like uh, U2's The Fly. Um, and I think it's really annoying that I bought the vinyl re-release of this album and Save a Prayer is not on it. Yet, with the These Days album, the bonus tracks that were only on the CD in certain territories on the vinyl re-release, those songs are on it. Right. Why? So why is this song not on the Keep the Faith one? Uh, it's just really disappointing. Uh, I think it's a great song. But anyway, great song, production and chorus. You didn't pick it? Why not? Because I haven't heard it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you only listen to the? Yeah, because I think if you go on Apple Music, it actually doesn't play the version with Save a Prayer. Yeah, because I've not got that. Yeah. Ah, oh, you would have picked it. That's the pit. Well, it's on here anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> You're saved. So we now have our eight songs for the TTM Supercut of Keep the Faith. And those songs are Save a Prayer, If I Was Your Mother, I Believe. Keep the faith, I'll sleep when I'm dead, bed of roses, in these arms, and dry county. Don't think I've missed any, have I? No, I think that's them all, yeah. I think that's them all. So, with that being the track list and Paul, what would you rate this album now? Pure up, up to 4.5 from 4. Uh, do you know what? I would actually agree with you. Uh, well, I'm actually going from 3.5 up to 4.5. Yeah, I, I think when you take out the, the weaker songs, that is a really, really strong album. Um, so, big question then. Do you prefer the original release or the supercut? And I, I need to ask you, but I already know the answer. But can you confirm your preference, please? I can confirm I prefer this version than the original version that was released. And so do I. Um, Just you want to share with our listeners what your own playlist would be. So the order of the songs and the songs that you selected then. And I'll do the same with mine after. They're quite similar to the the way they came in the album, actually. So I believe, keep the faith, I'll sleep when I'm dead, in these arms, bed of roses, if I was your mother dry county and ending with blame it and the love of rock and roll so it's pretty much in the same sequence as the album to be honest yeah mine's is very similar i i believe keep the faith i'll sleep when i'm dead in these arms better roses save a prayer a little bit of soul and dry county eight songs coming in at 50 minutes Uh, so, uh, here's the final question, Paul. Um, and we usually ask this every time we cover an, an album. Uh, we ask it about the artist um, when they are still going, which Bon Jovi are. 
when should the artist have called it a day as a recording artist to preserve their their legacy, their mystique? Um, so they can still play live, obviously, but just as a, a recording unit, when should they have called it a day? When, when should that have happened with Bon Jovi? Or are you glad they're still recording? What's your thoughts? I think they should have finished after these days album because that's really old after that i didn't really take much of an interest in their stuff so i would say 95 probably yeah mm. it's it's a difficult one because they have done some brilliant stuff since these days but personally i don't think they've done a consistently great album since then and you could argue their last mega hit was It's My Life, and was that 2000? From the Crush album. So you could argue maybe that would have been the best, a massive hit all over the world. I think it was actually the biggest selling single in the world that year. So if you're, if you're kind of going to go out on top, then maybe that would have been the good time, biggest selling single of that year. Um I'll actually throw in a bonus question for you. What is the most successful Bon Jovi song based on streams and physical sales? This will probably probably be no shock. Living in a prayer. Correct. Yeah. It's time to, well, never say goodbye. So how have you found revisiting Keep the Faith, Paul? Yeah, I've enjoyed it actually. It's uh, it's a good example of as well why we're doing this program, or not program this podcast. Yep. Because it's albums like this that we've that's a good example of why it's why it works as an example of today how we've made an album better that we felt was too long. So so yeah, that's good. So yes, it's been excellent to revisit the album. I've thoroughly um, enjoyed getting to know it again. And the next album that we're going to be doing is going to be our first actually in-person recording of the podcast. We've not been able to do it because of the pandemic, COVID, uh, but we're going to get together uh, with some friends to discuss the Stone Roses' second coming album, which neither Paul or I have listened to. So um, not being Stone Roses fans, but the other guys who will be joining us are so uh, they're going to be trying to convert us so we'll, we'll better listen to it a few times before then Paul, which I know you're so looking forward to, right? Can't wait <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so well, you can listen to our show on all major podcast providers including Apple, Google and Spotify, uh, you can check us out on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter Agree or disagree with our comments and selections you can leave us a voicemail to let us know or email us at trimthemusicfat at gmail.com check out all our podcast albums and TTMS supercuts on our website www.trimthemusicalfat.com and we're off to take our bad medicine thanks for listening, until next time keep trimming The top 10 selling singles worldwide for 1987 are at number 10 is Who's That Girl by Madonna, 
At number nine is Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. At number eight is Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now by Starship. At number seven is I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For by U2. At number six is I've Had the Time of My Life by Bill Medley and Jennifer Warnes. At number five is With or Without You by U2. At number four is Faith by George Michael. At number three is La Bamba by Los Lobos. At number two is Never Gonna Give You Up, Rick Astley. And the number one selling single worldwide for 1987 was I Wanna Dance With Somebody by Whitney Houston. So the top 10 selling albums worldwide for 1987 are, at number 10 is Tunnel of Love by Bruce Springsteen. At number nine is Nothing Like the Sun by Sting. At number eight is Sign of the Times by Prince. At number seven is the original motion soundtrack to Dirty Dancing. At number six is Whitney by Whitney Houston. At number five is Hysteria by Def Leppard. At number four is Faith by George Michael. At number three is Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses. At number two is Bad by Michael Jackson. And the number one selling album for 1987 worldwide is The Joshua Tree. By U2. So in, in 1987, the top 10 grossing movies worldwide for this year were at number 10, The Untouchables, at number 9, Moonstruck, at number 8, Predator, at number 7, Lethal Weapon, at number 6, Good Morning Vietnam. At number five, Free Men and a Baby. At number four, The Living Daylights. At number three, Dirty Dancing. At number two, Beverly Hills Cop 2. And the number one top grossing movie at the Worldwide Box Office from 1987 was Fatal Attraction. So significant events that occurred in the year 1987. So the Channel Tunnel is given the go-ahead after Margaret Thatcher and Francois Mitterrand ratify the Treaty of Canterbury. It's expected to be open within six years, but in fact opens in 1994. The Broderick Ward, the first hospital ward dedicated to the treatment of people with HIV AIDS in the UK, is opened by Diana, Princess of Wales, at the Middlesex Hospital in London. And in this year, tennis superstar, twice Wimbledon champion, Andy Murray is born on the 15th of May.